Scripture this morning comes in two parts. I'll be reading Genesis 46, 28 through 30, which is going to be in the Pew Bibles on page 36. David will be closing Genesis in Genesis 50, 15 through 26, which is on page 40, if you'd like to reference that. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Genesis 50, 15 through 25. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now... Please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, who were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely be with you and will carry you up, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Keep it pretty simple this morning. Uh, It is God's will that we hang tough with our faith and hang tough until the end and remain faithful. Again, it says, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown that lasts always. Uh, All of us aspire to that. We want one day for Jesus to look at us face to face and say, well done. What is it? good and faithful servant. I think that really is one of the crowning qualities of Joseph, that he remained faithful at every stage of his life. That's one thing I just love about the Joseph story, which we're wrapping up this morning. He maintained this positive attitude, this dynamic faith, no matter all these circumstances that he faced that were just overwhelming at times. But it's interesting to study the last part of his story, and it covers a big span of time. It's from the time he's 38 years old until the ripe old age of 110. But he finished strong and remained strong. Now, it shows a number of ways that he remained faithful, but I just want to talk about two of them. 
First of all, he remained faithful to his family throughout. Now, you remember there's a famine, and then Joseph's reunited with his brothers, and then they go back and they bring Jacob back. You've got to understand there were real cultural differences at this point between uh, Joseph and the rest of his family. Joseph had been in Egyptian culture most of his life. I think, what, 93 years he had been in Egyptian culture. But not just that. He was now very wealthy. He was really the number two guy in charge. He was prime minister of Egypt. He's married to an Egyptian woman. He's got Egyptian kids. And then he's bringing his family along. Now, you've got to understand that for Egyptians, Hebrews were, as it says, a detestable race. Genesis 43, 32 says Egyptians would not even eat with Hebrews because they found them detestable. Not only that, but Joseph and his, excuse me, Jacob and his sons had what they called a despised occupation. What was that despised occupation? Anybody know? Hey, you just hold it down there. Hebrew over there? No. It says, I mean, it actually, it actually says in Genesis, will you, okay, in Genesis 48, 34, all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptian. So, you know, you wonder if Joseph was going to have concerns about, oh my gosh, here come the Clampets, you know, here come the Griswolds, you know, what am I going to do, how am I going to introduce them to everybody and all that. Was he going to be ashamed of them? Absolutely not. Uh, you, and you have Jacob, who is not perfect by any stretch, you know that he was a schemer, uh, through his life. He was also a big whiner. It's funny to read the latter half of Jacob's life story because a million times he says, I'm about to die or I'm going to die or this is going to put me in the grave. Some of us have relatives like that, don't we? I hope you come this Christmas. This could be my last one. Um, you remember Sanford and Son? When, how would he get that pity and attention? Remember, he looked, you hear that? Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. Yeah, Jacob was kind of that way. Read the latter part of his story, and he just keeps talking about, I'm about to die, or this is going to kill me. So he was not perfect by any stretch. He was rather uh, dysfunctional. But in spite of all that imperfection, it's a beautiful story. It's almost like the, 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 the story of the, the father of the prodigal son. Joseph sees his father, dashes out, falls on his neck, and weeps. That's what it says. You know, he, he, he was in such a high lofty position, he could have just said, oh, I don't have time for this, or, you know, send them to me later. No, when he sees them, he darts towards them. And they have that wonderful, wonderful reconciliation, as you know. Let me just ask very simply, you know, uh, uh, have you taken time out uh, to think of one person in your family whom you want to affirm and remind them what you appreciate about them? Maybe one of the more dysfunctional, wacky ones. But let them know how much you love and appreciate them. I probably shouldn't bring this up today, but when I was a student at Sanford, there was this South Central Bell commercial with Coach Bryant. And do you remember the ad lib he did? I bet most of us in here probably know it. It, it, the, The phrase was, have you called your mama today? And Coach Bryant, I guess just in a moment of ad lib, he said, have you called your mama today? Who can finish it? I wish I could call mine. And somehow that touched a nerve, not just because it was Bear Bryant, but because, you know, everybody thought, oh, gosh, there's still time. I need to let somebody know I appreciate them. And apparently it got incredible airplay, and it was great business for South Central Bell. But what about you? Have you taken the time out lately to let somebody know how much you appreciate them? And I think it's really cool that not only does uh, Joseph welcome the family back, he actually introduces them to the king. With his brothers first and later on with Jacob, he takes them to the pharaoh. And again, these were a detestable race, a detestable occupation. And uh, 
It must have been like, what's another good trivia? When the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air first went to the Banks Mansion. Can anybody reference that in here? You know what I'm talking about? I'm just trying to thank you. Trying to show you I'm young and hip and all that stuff. But truly, be like the Clampets order. But it didn't matter. You know, these were foreigners and shepherds. It didn't matter. Um, we all have family members who frustrate us and get on our nerves and who are every bit as dysfunctional and messed up as you and me. But, you know, you, you, you might have thought that Joseph would want to seclude them. But indeed, he introduces them. It reminds me, have I shared, you've probably read this where Linda Bloodworth Thomas said that's the difference between Northerners and Southerners, that they take the crazy person in the family, and the Northerners will take the crazy family member and try to seclude them in the attic. What do Southerners do? We put them in the living room and enjoy them, right? That's a big thing. That's us. And it should be that way. We've got to stick by our family members. I love the story that Sky Jethenny tells. He's a wonderful pastor. Talked about when he was 13 years old, uh, his father got this great idea to go sailing in Belmont Harbor. They were going to learn how to sail and take sailing lessons. And so Sky and his four brothers and their dad went and took these lessons, and none of the kids took it seriously. But after three days, they had a final exam, which was to take a sailboat, sail it out of the harbor into the big lake, the giant lake, and then sail it back in to the harbor. Sky said, I'm not going to do that. This is a disaster waiting to happen. But the other loyal sons got in the boat with the dad, and they go out there. And as he describes it, he said that he and the instructor watched on the shore in horror uh, as the sailboat bounced around like a floating pinball. And it was magnetically attracted to anything that was still. It hit docks, it hit buoys, it hit other boats. People were just cringing in fear in their boats waiting to be torpedoed by this guy. And he said it really was funny because his dad tried to have this semblance of confidence. He was back there on the rudder and telling the, the sons to trim the sails and everything. And he's just banging into everything. Very comical. And it drew a huge crowd. And, of course, Sky and, and the instructor were front and center, you know, with, with this big crowd. Everybody cracking up. And everybody kept asking, who, who is that idiot out there? Who, you've been here the longest. Who's that idiot? And Sky was just like... I have no idea, you know. And he kept denying that and kept laughing along with the people. And uh, according to him, his father has never been near Belmont Harbor again, by the way. Uh, And he said that they all laughed about it later, but he said it really convicted him about family. He said, you know what? We all get bounced around through life, and I should have been in the boat there with them no matter what. He said, you know, they are my family, and they all can be crazy, but you know what? I need to be faithful to them until the end. And Joseph was that way with his family. I mean, he introduced them to Pharaoh nonetheless. He remained faithful to his brothers and continued to forgive them, as you know. He kept saying, no, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second meditation. Think of one family member that you would just love to give a word of love to today. And you might have done it already this morning within the last hour, but who is one family member whom God might want you to go and share a kind word to and let them know what they mean to you. It might be someone that you haven't had a chance to do that for in a while, and they may be somewhere far away. They may be someone with whom you've had some conflict. But just meditate upon that for just a second and let God lead you to that person to whom you ought to speak. Okay, one other thing. You can open your eyes again. Joseph was faithful to his family to the end. One other thing, he was faithful to his faith. Now, what do I mean by that? He maintained his faith in God all those, what, 93 years that he was in Egypt, not allowing that culture to influence him. You've got to understand, Egyptian culture was very immoral. It was incredibly pagan. They worshipped hundreds of idols. 
Joseph had a lot of money. He could have indulged in any pleasure of the flesh, any pleasure of sin, but he never did that. He remained faithful. Not only that, as you know, he forgave his brothers. You meant it for evil. God worked it for good, and he continued to do that. Had, you know, and that's a wonderful, he was almost like a human precursor to Romans 8, 28. In all things, God works for good. But let me ask you this. What is the best evidence that Joseph remained faithful until the end? It was just read just a moment ago. It's, it's interesting. He knew that he was about to die, and he makes a request. Genesis 50, verse 24, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. You must carry my bones from this place. Carry them where? Back to Canaan. Carry them back to the place where my faith was birthed. Carry them back to the promised land because I want to represent that promised land because that's the God who promised us a new life, promised us the right way. He said, I want to be buried back there. Now keep in mind, Joseph has lived in Egypt for 93 years. Uh, We've been here now, what, 20 years, I think, Deanna, and I consider this home, and if I were to go tomorrow, I'd want to, yeah, I'd love to be buried here. I mean, this is home. (laughs) Joseph's been in the same place for 93 years of his life, and yet he wants to be taken back. And that's highly significant that at the very end, he wanted to make that faith proclamation even there. In fact, there's only one time in the New Testament where Joseph is mentioned. Does anybody know? Does any, boy, I'll let you go home if you get this right. What book in the New Testament talks about the heroes of the faith? It's in chapter 11 of, okay, go in peace. No, stay here. He's mentioned there in, in, in the hall of the faithful, some people call it. And again, it goes through by faith, Abraham, this and that. And there's only like one or two sentences about each one of them. It talks about Abraham, talks about uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. It gets down to Joseph. And what is Joseph praised for? Because again, this is talking about heroes of the faith. And there's only one sentence to, to wedge it in there. What do you think it talks about? How faithful he was in Potiphar's house, how faithful he was withstanding temptation for Potiphar's wife, uh, was he, uh, did it talk about his faith in terms of how he interpreted dreams? Did it talk about his faith in terms of how he say, uh, served Pharaoh and was so prosperous and successful? None of those. None of those. What does it say? By faith, Joseph, when the end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction about his bones. <laughs> That's what it says in Hebrews. That's what he was known for. That's how he's a hero. What does that mean? At the very end of his life, still he is making this proclamation of faith in his God, in the place where his faith was birthed. No doubt God said, well done, good and faithful servant, when he arrived. Now, if I were to ask you, what is your spiritual home right now, and is it where it needs to be? It's interesting to think about this and think about a different um, Joseph that I read about just recently. Uh, I'm just going to read part of this. It's an interesting guy, and his name is Joseph. In fact, it's spelled J-O-S-E-F. But this is from the New York Times uh, two months ago, and the title is A Christian Convert on the Run in Afghanistan. And it talks about a man named Joseph who had grown up a radical Muslim, found faith in Jesus, left Afghanistan, fled to Germany... Uh, and then was deported back, and so now he's on the run in Afghanistan. I mean, as we speak, he is on the run in Afghanistan, okay? Um, 
the writer of this article was offered $20,000 by Joseph's brother just to tell him where Joseph was so the brother could kill him. In fact, he quotes the brother saying, if I find him, once I am done with him, I will kill his three-year-old son as well because his son is a bastard. That's what his brother Ibrahim wants to do. Well, of course, the writer didn't give him the location of Joseph. Joseph's wife and children are hiding out in Pakistan away from Joseph. You know, we don't even realize we have brothers and sisters who are dealing with this daily. And we struggle with our being faithful to the end. Look at this man named Joseph. But let me read the last part of this New York Times article. For Joseph, who has recently changed hiding places, the time passes slowly now with little company other than his Bible. That's pretty much all he has. He can hear the moisin calling Muslims to prayer, a reminder of dangerous proximity and the paradox he lives in now. And this is how he closes. This is a closing quote from this Joseph living today. When I threw away my convictions, I was like an, imagi- I was like an imaginary prison, but now it is the other way around. My body is in prison, but my soul is free because of Jesus. That's New York Times. Amazing. How does a guy like that remain so faithful to his faith as Joseph did centuries, centuries before? I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute. And as you meditate, I want to remind you of this. Like the biblical Joseph, Jesus came to a foreign country himself. And like Joseph, in a way, he was abused by his brothers. Jesus was stripped of his coat just as Joseph was. And they threw him on the ground. But unlike Joseph, who got thrown into a ditch and then sold into slavery, Jesus was stretched out and nailed to a cross. Yet what they meant for evil, God worked for good. God took that cross and by it, gosh, sins were forgiven, lives were saved, continue to be saved. Jesus was faithful unto death, even death on a cross. And he did that just for you. So just remember that he is worth your faithfulness to the very end. Lord, we confess to you that we go through circumstances and struggles and stressors and other matters of life that cause us to not be faithful as we should be. We even realize what you did for us on the cross so long ago, but we fail you on a regular basis. Help us to be inspired this morning to get a new hold on that faith and remain faithful to you to the end. Not just to believe in you, but to be faithful to you walking closely with you day in and day out. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for continuing to love us in spite of how we can be. Lord, make us a more faithful people. We pray these things in your name. Amen.